What is going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention, at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. Forward Thinking Founders is a podcast where I interview pre-seed and seed stage founders about their products, what they want to build into the world, and why. We dive into how they spend their time, what's their vision, what's the origin of stories, all these things, so you can learn all about what's coming tomorrow. Because these companies haven't hit critical scale yet. Most of them haven't hit product market fit. These are just early stage companies, and the big question is, what can this be? And in this podcast, we bring that out. So with that, I really hope you enjoy your time listening to today's episode. And I've already done 200 plus, so if you like this one, listen to some of the other ones, like with Imadi Kuhn, Austin Allred, Leah Culver. We have great interviews, so check it out. Enjoy the repository, and for now, let's get into today's episode. Here we go. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. We talk to founders about their companies, their vision for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Jeremy Hurst, who's a co-founder of Identity. Welcome to the show. How's it going? It is going well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I'm looking forward to learning more about what you're working on. For people that haven't heard of Identity, what is that? What are you working on? Yeah, so we're a software company, and I think the simplest way to describe it is is really just software that helps people become more organized online. Uh, That's a pretty maybe general description, so maybe it's a little bit helpful uh, to describe kind of the underlying motivations for for starting the company. And I guess there are really kind of two reasons, one more practical and maybe one more philosophical. But the practical side of things is that, you know, we all sit in front of computers for I don't know, eight to 12 hours a day. Most people end up with 50 tabs open in the browser, 10 other application windows, and just constant multitasking and distraction between a million different things. Uh, So pretty common experience that that I hear from people kind of all the time. And, you know, for me, working in technology, of course, you're of course signing up for new things all the time as well, dev tools, marketing, APIs, et cetera. So you have this already cluttered and chaotic experience that just continues to get worse and worse over time as we continue to, to, to build things and experiment, et cetera. Uh, and I felt like there just had to be a, a better way, right? To, to just kind of simplify and organize all of that stuff. So that's that's kind of the practical side. Um, on the philosophical side, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of mindfulness and meditation. And, you know, meditation is all about being, you know, intentional about your time. And I felt like a lot of the time that I spent online was was very kind of mindless or, or absent-minded, this kind of distraction that I just described. So, you know, combining kind of the practical need to just simplify and organizing things with the more philosophical aspect of trying to bring more mindfulness to, to really everything that I do, um, that was kind of the things that came together into to creating identity. So walk me through how it works. So, I mean, I'm someone I live online, like being based in Phoenix, Arizona, I pretty much built a career in tech through the internet, um, all, all digitally. So I'm very curious kind of how this works. Can you kind of walk me through the user experience of someone who checked it out or what some what someone could experience if they were to come across the product or the website? Yeah, of course. So basically when you log into identity, everything that you do online, all of the different websites that you would visit on a given day get kind of turned into these beautiful tiles, uh, almost like apps on a smartphone. And uh, I think that analogy is pretty apt because if you think about, you know, iOS, for example, um, you know, most of the apps that you use on iOS aren't actually built by Apple, right? You have the applications that you use from all the different companies. And then of course, Apple augments that experience with their own native applications like iMessage and Notes and these types of things. So. Uh, I think in general, iOS does a really great job of, of organizing and making your mobile experience really seamless, you know, as you move in between all these other applications. Um, 
I would argue that, you know, from a browser perspective, like the browser looks exactly the same as it has, I don't know, for the last 15 or 20 years, right? The best kind of organizational system that we have is like 50 tabs open in the browser, maybe kind of a cluttered bookmarks bar and all of the other things that you keep open on the screen. So if you bring that kind of same idea from mobile, this idea of organizing things into tiles and instead of, you know, typing in URLs or these types of things, you can just kind of click tiles and go directly to the application. It, it creates a very similar um, experience with, within the browser. So that's kind of a, a analogy I try to use to help people understand what the, what the user experience feels like. And then you kind of dived a little into the origin story of why'd you start it, you know, um, you know, earlier, but I'm kind of curious, you know, a lot of people when they decide to start a company or solve a problem, um, oftentimes, uh, you know, the next step is like not super clear. Like, do you raise money? Do you build a product? Do you recruit a team, et cetera? So I mean, I'm curious yeah. for you when you, you know, when you decide you were going to do this, what was just the next thing you did? Like, did you recruit users? Did you build something? What, what was your first step just for the for first time founders listening and maybe not knowing where to start? Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because I feel like a lot of people, uh, that work in and around technology think that like you kind of sit back in the armchair and try to come up with startup ideas uh, for us. And we were actually, my, my co-founder and I were working on uh, a different problem. Um, and that was one of those things that we kind of sat back and tried to come up with an idea, which is kind of never the way to go. If, uh, if I could maybe give that small tidbit of advice out there, but you know, we were working on this other project and in doing so, as I mentioned before, you know, we're constantly signing up for like AWS, Azure, Twilio, all of these different things. So we really needed a way just for the two of us to kind of organize all these different applications. So we built the first version of identity as just an internal tool. It wasn't really meant to ever be a company a product. It was just something to, to kind of help ourselves. Um, pretty quickly, we realized we were using it kind of all day. Um, and we had kind of mentioned it to a few friends and then they started using it all day. So we were just looking at kind of the engagement uh, inside of the application and realizing like our other project was getting zero traction or, or attention. And here's something that we almost accidentally are getting like, users and, and, and traction. So from there we said, well, I don't know if this is a company. It feels like something that's helpful, but I don't know if it's a company. So our next step was having these dinner parties at my apartment in New York City, where we would have like 20 to 30 people over. My wife would make these incredible spreads, meatballs and drinks and all these different things. And basically we would talk to people about like why we created it and how it worked. And then we would have people sign up kind of on the spot. And uh, the, it, it was, it was a nightmare. Honestly, the, the first version was pretty, pretty tough to use. Um, the problem resonated with people really, really deeply, but the first version of the software didn't really, uh, definitely miss the mark, uh, so to speak. But what was interesting about that is as much as it missed the mark, people still used it. Right. So it was like hard to explain and it was difficult for them to, to onboard, but the, the, the usage and engagement kept going up. And that's like a really interesting thing when, when, when the problem is like so crude that people complain about it nonstop, but continue to use it. I think there's kind of something there. So after we kind of did that for a while, we got maybe the first hundred users just from like friends telling friends of friends. Uh, that was just January of 2020. Uh, I started thinking more deeply like, well, it actually feels like something that's, that's bigger here. And I said, well, let me leave my full-time job. I was at Salesforce at the time. So I left and we had just gone through an exit. I, I was at a company called Datarama that got acquired by Salesforce. So, you know, I was like, you know, financially, I'm in a, I'm in a good spot. I can afford to, to really kind of dedicate my full time and attention to thinking about, is this really a problem that, that we could kind of really build a company around? Um, 
so I spent about six months just talking to users, iterating, talking to users, iterating, uh, and got to a point where I was really, really excited. And uh, ultimately, at the beginning of this year, we raised kind of a friends and family mount round to to really kind of accelerate things to the to the next level. But that was kind of the the uh, series of steps, so to speak. So you mentioned there for I think you said like six months you were talking to users, iterating, taking their feedback, um, iterating. Um, you know, some people like to call that the idea maze. Like you're just, you have, you have an idea, you have a concept and you just like, as ta- as you talk to users, you figure out what the perfect thing is for them to, to, to use or for you to build. Mm-hmm. What are, are you open to sharing like one or two things that you've learned um, through like kind of during those six months of talking to users on figuring out like what the right thing is to build or um, just, ex- you know, anything you've learned along the journey of recruiting or getting users, anything like that, some learnings that you come across would be great. Yeah. I mean, I think probably the biggest one that we saw early was that the nature of the problem that we were solving was actually um, a bit different than what we thought that we were actually solving at first. Um, We started from a place of thinking about password management. um, And the reason that we started there, so we were signing up for all these different apps and we were just using the same password for everything because it was like, why not? Like, I can't remember all these passwords, all these different things. Um, And then of course, as we started to kind of store more sensitive user data, we were like, well, this is probably not a bad idea. We should be a little bit more, more secure than that. So we looked at the other kind of password managers, so to speak, like the last passes in one passwords of the world. And we felt like they did kind of password management and authentication fairly well, but uh, user experience was a little bit lacking the, you know, downloading, you know, software and installing extensions. There's a lot of different steps and kind of complexity and kind of getting those set up. But when we started sharing the product with other users, people started talking about this idea of like how many tabs they have open, how they actually navigate in between all these different things. So what we realized was that like the, the, the security of the password was actually kind of a small piece of the problem. Like the thing that people kept asking us about was, was this kind of organization and navigation question. So ultimately what we built, you know, there's password management capability that's built into the software and, and security remains a, a really kind of high priority for us. Um, but when we talk to people about identity, the first thing that we say is it's a simple way to organize your entire life. And, and that's the problem. You know, security is, is a funny thing. I think it's, um, if you ask somebody if they care about security, they usually say yes. But if you ask them a, a breath later, if they use the same password for everything, they'll probably say yes to that question as well. Um, so if people care, but their behavior says, says otherwise, and we realize from a messaging standpoint, from a positioning standpoint, we needed to come up with like a message and a position that made sense to people and was accessible to, to a lot of people in a way that um, more so than security, which usually comes up when something bad happens. And then if you're kind of, if you were to take those learnings and zoom out a ton and look out into the future, five, 10, 15 years, what would you say the big vision is for identity or I guess, in other words, what direction are you rowing in and what will this look like in a decade or two? Yeah, you know, I, to be honest, I, I try not to think too far into the head. I mean, as, as a founder, you kind of have to keep like one step, one foot in the future and one, one foot in the present. Um, so from a short to medium term perspective, I, I, we're really focused on creating a simpler and more organized experience online. And I think that's a huge problem to be, to be solved. Um, and we're just barely, you know, scratching the surface of that. However, um, you know, I, 
I describe the problem to you as, as helping people become more organized online. Um, and I, I describe that in the context of, of mindfulness as well. So a, another way to kind of say that is we try to encourage people to be uh, more mindful and more intentional about the time that they spend online. Um, and I think that this, this concept of being intentional is much bigger than software or much bigger than identity per se. So one of the things that we decided to do pretty early on was could we not only build um, a software company around these ideas, but could we try to encourage people to bring these same types of uh, mentalities or mindsets to how they live their lives in general? Uh, so step one of that was launching our, our podcast, which is called Mindful and Intentional. Would have never guessed that. Um, and basically, it's, it's not about software or technology at all. It's, it's really about finding people that seem to be living intentional lives. And, you know, these are, you know, founders of, of, of technology companies that are building kind of empathetic products. These are um, holistic health and wellness practitioners. These are meditation gurus. These are lots of different people from lots of different walks of life, but all around this kind of uh, concept of intentionality. And um, as we grow, there, there are other ideas and more things that we're going to do that, that kind of point in, in this direction, because I, I feel like these days, um, you need to kind of build a product that people find useful, but there also needs to kind of be a why that kind of resonates with people and, and our, our why is all about um, intentionality. So uh, we, we look forward to doing that in more ways. And in order to bring that to as many people as possible and make the vision happen, you'll need some help, right? It takes a village to make a startup work. So my question for you is how can the forward thinking founders community assist? Are you hiring, raising capital, looking for customers, users? You know, how, how can we assist? Yeah. So, I mean, the easiest way, of course, is uh, identity.com. And it's a little bit of a, a weird spelling, I-D-E-N-A-T-I, identity.com. Uh, so feel free to, to, to go sign up. It's, it's free to sign up and, and has a freemium model if you hit the kind of premium ceiling on that, but definitely always looking for, for users and feedback there. Um, we are, you know, fundraising is of course a part, a part of this process as well. So, you know, we're always looking for the, the right partners from a, from a fundraising and a capital perspective. Um, but I would say more than really either of those things, um, I would maybe offer up the question, um, I imagine that almost everybody listening to this podcast right now is is probably doing multiple things at one time. They're probably walking their dog, to commuting to or from work, or, or whatever the whatever it is that they're happen to be doing. So, you know, the question that I would maybe just pose to the community that that's all, almost unrelated to identity is um, how often do you dedicate your time and attention to one thing at a time? Um, and and that kind of speaks to that intentionality question. Like I, I think it's so rare that that we give all of our focus and attention to any um, to any one thing. And if and if you're somebody that that doesn't have that space or that mindset, uh, I definitely encourage you to, to kind of think about that as uh, and just how you kind of live your life. And if someone you know has thoughts on that or wants to try out what you're building or just ultimately wants to learn more. Um, how can they get in touch? Do you have a website? Do you have social media, an email address? How can someone learn more on the internet? Yeah, so easiest way is just email jeremy at identity.com. And then of course, we're, you know, I just mentioned the, the website. We're, we're also on uh, Instagram and, and most of the primary social channels. So uh, anywhere you look for identity, you should be, uh, should have no problem finding us. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I really appreciate it. Likewise. Thanks for having me.